Greetings, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Red Voices. We hope you had a wonderful weekend and enjoyed a little break over this festival. Festival? Festive period. Ironically, David Moyes did make it a little difficult for United on Monday afternoon, but as we often saw during uh, the Sunderland manager's brief reign at Old Trafford, that amounts to sod all. And we won, and he didn't. So, yes. <laughs> Rich, how was your Christmas? Um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was good until you mentioned David Moyes, and now I'm seething. <laughs> Oh, bless. Well, that, that's good. I've, I've set you up for seething, which is good, because that's going to lead quite nicely into the first stage of the podcast. But let's, let's just check in on Harriet first. Harriet, how's tricks? Hey, good, thank you. Good Christmas. But, you know, I always look forward to Boxing Day, and especially when we win. It's much better. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's quite enjoyable in the end. After, that, after LVG. Rich, look, so I was going to say, after LVG ruined our Christmas last Christmas. That's a wonderful, wonderful point, isn't it? It's uh, Think back to this stage last year, when we were right in the middle of that terrible, terrible winless streak uh, under Van Hal, And it was what? That was 2-0. That was Depay's awful header back. 2-0 down at the Britannia. Rooney on the bench looking particularly grumpy. I think was the lowest point of the season, although it didn't get a lot better until the, the cup final. But it yeah, I mean, we lost. did we lose five in a row in the end or was it just the four? Lost to Bournemouth as well, Norwich. I forget. It was four or five. It was an absolutely grim time. But hey, it's gone. And what, what a difference the year makes. That's true. That's very, very true. But before we get into the good stuff, let, let's talk a little bit about our, our former manager, Rich, who <laughs> had oh. some wonderful words to say <laughs> in the lead up to this game on a Monday afternoon. Let, let, let me chuck a, a couple of quotes your way. Uh, Manchester United's great traditions have gone, according to Moyes. Uh, they tend to pick British managers and never felt the need to impose themselves on the transfer market. I can say that's gone. There have been a few changes at Manchester United, but that's the way they have chosen to go. They were a football club who enjoyed traditions with the way they spent. They didn't try to compete with all the other clubs. They did what they thought was the right thing to do and spent the right way. And he was definitely unfairly treated. Rich, you have the floor. I don't really know where to start with that. As um, Paul, Paul Ansorge said on uh, on Twitter, when United last appointed a manager before Moyes, it was 1986 and every club had a tradition of appointing British managers. That's just what everybody did. There was never any conscious decision after that to appoint British managers because we never needed to. In fact, the only time we ever took made the effort to appoint a British manager was Moyes, and it was an absolute disaster. So, yeah, what, he's an idiot on that point. And on the transfers point, this is the man that, that bid over £100 million for Gareth Bale, tried to sign Ronaldo, tried to sign Fabregas, bumbled around and then blew £30 million on Fellaini and, and bought Mata for £37.5 million in January, which was essentially a vanity signing rather than a, an absolute necessity. The, the man is a fool. <laughs> That's fair enough. Harry, would you echo those sentiments? Oh, absolutely echo those sentiments. I mean, who in their right mind as a manager thinks, oh, well, the board have promised me that they're going to bid for Ronaldo, Bale, Fabregas and Cruz, and we're going to get all four of them, and then, you know, it's going to be dandy. I mean, a lot of a player's decision-making when they're making a move to a club is the personality of the manager. And if you're... Per- if the manager's personality is that of a wet flannel, then they're not going to come, are they? <laughs> so, you know, and I mean, Paul Fortu did uh, a one-on-one interview with David Moyes shortly after he got binned by United. Um, and so we always, we get questions from from fans. And one of them was, if you had your time again at United, what one thing would you do differently? And his reply was... When I took the job, Sir Alex made me well aware of what was required and what was needed. He was a big support to me and he helped me. But if I knew I was only going to get have only going to have ten months and not six years, I would have approached the job 
completely differently. I felt I deserved more time. I mean... Right. Oh dear, oh dear. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you, you did... He is completely correct on one point, for at least. You know, he did get a six-year contract. But what is going on <laughs> yeah, in I that mean, head of his... And that's not that, even answering the question. I know. What, what is going on in that head of his that he could possibly think that he was immune to being sacked if things were not going well? And let's be quite frank, things were not going very well when he got sacked. No. No. Not at all. Oh. The, the, the fact that he... That I've got some quotes from August as well. And he... Um, He's talking about him being a top manager and you don't get offered the, the United job or Barca or Real Madrid. He threw those in because that's his level if you're not a top manager. And that's that's what he still believes he is. I just, th- I, just, I just think you're going into a game at United. United are in pretty good form. You're coming back to a club where basically you completely ballsed it up. But the fans do at least respect you. You're essentially a nice person, even if you're completely delusional. I think mm. I think he would have, they would have been polite. You would have got a polite, you know, perhaps a polite applause but what made him think that in the week before the game that particular game he it was a good idea to to bring it all up again and to to play the martyr again you know any any chance of a decent reaction uh, reaction from the crowd that he had was just you know just chucked in the bin and you know i think you know 90 percent of united fans were hoping that we battered sunderland into the next week because of him so you know it, I, I just think all the way through the united job and ever since he's just shown that he's got no self-awareness at all no, and that doesn't seem to have uh, improved in the, gosh, what is it now? Two and a half years since he took the job? There doesn't seem to have been any sort of realisation or awakening in that mind of his that seems to have thought, well, you know, maybe I didn't do as well as I should have done. But there we go. I mean, the end result, Rich, 3-1, not necessarily a bad win whatsoever. Um, I'll be completely honest, I was in the cinema watching Moana with uh, with the girls <laughs> over the weekend, so I, I missed the game. I was keeping abreast of uh, uh, events on my phone very, very quietly during uh, proceedings. So you'll have to paint me a word picture for that first half. How did it go down? It was quite an even half, actually. United created a few chances, but Sunderland, Sunderland had a, good, a few good good moments. Um, Defoe was getting a lot of space, and they were playing quick balls forward to him, and he you know the back four were struggling with him a bit. They had one chance where um, Anachibi ball kind of fell to Anachibi about six yards out, and he sort of scuffed a shot, and De Gea uh, blocked it away. There was another free kick which he had to to palm away. Um, United created quite a few chances, and it would have been really frustrating if we'd gone at half time level. And it was really nice for once to actually ram home, you know, a really good move and a bit of a period of dominance. And Blind's goal was a really really nice goal. Really lovely move. It was really good as well. Can you imagine this under LVG? Blint's goal basically came from Rocco surging into the area, laying the ball off left to Ibrahimovic, and Ibrahimovic playing playing it back in for Blint to surge onto and and drill across the keeper. Can you imagine? Rocco Rocco would have been publicly admonished for doing that. He would. Two two of our defenders surging into the area under LVG. That would be no lad over the halfway line. So um, it was quite you know it's quite a symbolic goal for how how we've changed since then. Yeah, it was a really, really high-class goal. You know, there's, there's one thing that, that Blint brings from left-back that Shaw doesn't when he's playing well. I think Blint's got better vision and he's got he's got a better picture at the moment of what what's happening on the pitch and where the space will open up and he can score a few goals. And I think there are a few things that Shaw could learn from him in that left-back position. But I think you could say that United just about deserved to go in at half-time ahead. But there were a few dicey moments, and some of them were certainly in the game. 
What about uh, Kone's basically shoulder barge on matter when the ball came over the top in the first half? Penalty? Yes or no? I, I don't know. I, I, I could see it given, but I could also see why it wasn't given. It was overly physical and, and it could have been a penalty, but I wasn't utterly outraged by it. That's fair enough. That's rare for you. Good, 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 yeah. good fence setting there. I very much enjoyed that. <laughs> Harry, what about you for that, uh, for that left back position at the minute? That's been, I mean, we've had, what, gosh, Daley Blinn, Damian, and Shaw there so far this season. Who do you think is, at the moment, at the present time, the best option for United at the moment in that position? Um, I'd probably say Blind as well. I think he offers, you know, that kind of stability there. A bit of, you know, like Rich says, his his vision and kind of playing of the game. He can see opportunities where Shaw and Darmian perhaps can't. And he's but he's also got the discipline to know when to go and know when to stay. Where Darmian doesn't really, or if Darmian just doesn't get back in time and is a bit flappy. I think Shaw will get there. Obviously, I mean, we've we've seen flashes. I mean, before his horrific injury last season, we saw, you know, he was he was our best player, which is saying something considering he's a left back. But I think at the moment, uh, given Shaw's injury problems and Darmian's flappability, that's a word, right? That counts. Yeah. Um, Darmian's ability <laughs> problems. Uh, th- <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, stop being so catty. Sorry. He's he's probably he's probably the best option to make sure that we kind of firm up. Uh, the back four. Sounds pretty good to me. So, Rich, keeping a, uh, an eye on what was going on from the cinema, uh, I will admit to have, you know, be feeling a pang of uh, stress from seeing the scoreline remain at 1-0 and knowing the fact that David Moyes exists and I could see a jammy <laughs> result incoming. How close did Sunderland actually get to clawing their way back into the game? Was the result ever really in doubt in that second half? i say that, I, I suppose at 1-0 we're always nervy, aren't we? Because we, how many times have we blown one goal leads a season. Um, Many. United had a lot more control in the second half, uh, and it was we created quite a few chances as well. And it was, it was frustrating that we didn't get the second goal earlier than we did. Um, Ibrahimovic had a couple of really good chances, and uh, Pogba headed just over. That we must have created seven or eight really good chances in the second half. You know, when the when the second goal eventually came, um, it was thoroughly deserved. And I have to say that um, it was Pogba who tenaciously intercepted the. A pass from um, Didier Ndong and slips it through for Ibrahimovic to score and Pogba was absolutely insane again yesterday. Just mm-hmm. out, out of this world good. I mean, he's he's the most complete midfielder I, I we've seen since Keane, if I'm honest. Which is saying something given, given that we spent the last 10 years wailing about our midfield and how we didn't buy any decent midfielders. So, how so, though, Rich? How, how do you feel like he is the most com- complete midfielder that we've had at the clubs? He's got a bit of everything, hasn't he? I mean, he can be he can be tenacious, and he's a decent defender. He's good in the air. He could dribble. Uh, he's got incredible vision, really good passing, can create, can score. He's an, an aerial presence in the box. I mean, he's got absolutely everything. He really has got everything. He's incredibly fit. He gets up and down the pitch. I, I don't see an obvious weakness to his game, apart from occasionally trying to overcomplicate things. He's up. He's on another level to any midfielder we've seen since Keane easily. I mean, in in terms of all round game. I mean, you know, Scholes was a genius, but but Pogba can do a, a lot of everything. He's just a complete modern midfielder, really. Good stuff, Harry. That's that's a, another goal for Zlatan. What is that? Eighteen goals so far this season, now? Yeah, I think so, isn't it? I mean, um, he probably should have had a couple more yesterday. I think. Yeah. Uh, I've seen the highlights. So I do apologise. It's seventeen. Seventeen. Eighteen yeah. seemed plausible in my defence. <laughs> yeah, it was it was um it was a good finish. Uh calm 
calm finish. I mean, he was ultimately one-on-one, but we've seen him mess up a couple of those this season, but not in the form that he's in at the moment. I mean, get him in a couple of those positions again and we'll, we'll be laughing. But I think his, his link-up play yesterday from from the bits and pieces I've seen of it was incredible. I mean, him and Pogba together is just working an absolute treat. He's just in one of those runs at the moment where you just expect him to score every game. So long may that continue. Mm. Uh, A couple of uh, absolute polos to start. So let's start off with the obvious goal uh, before the end of the game. Barini, good grief. Yeah, didn't he catch it? It was actually, yeah. (laughs) He caught that absolutely wonderfully. What a volley that is. That's his first goal all season. You know, far be it from me to, you know, lump praise on a former Liverpool player, but wow, what a goal. I mean, you know, obviously at that point the game was done and it was essentially stoppage time, so you can be forgiven for not celebrating that too wildly. But yeah, wonderful goal to to finish off the afternoon. But of course, that uh, that takes a back seat to what we saw uh, several minutes earlier from Ibrahimovic's cross. I was moaning a bit pre-match because um, this is not like me at all. You read my mind. <laughs> I was mainly a bit pre-match about how we, we chose Lingard and Matter to play in the wide positions because Sunderland were obviously going to sit quite deep and we'd have to break them down. And I, Lingard, they're both better when they've got space to, you know, their, their best attributes really are finding space, um, running in behind defences and get, finding holes. And I didn't really feel they'd be there. And I thought the game better suited some players with a bit of trickery and pace, Martial and Mkhitaryan. When when Mkhitaryan came on, particularly the, I think I think it's for Lingard. The um, you know the the difference in quality. The guy is absolutely world class. Uh, everything he does, you you know, there's an enormous lift in quality. And I think the goal was just you know it was just an, an example of his brilliance, as offside as it was. He's an absolutely wonderful player, and not taking into account his body and stuff, I play him every game because he's just he's a match winner. And the, what we missed last season were match winners. We had Martial, and there was nobody else who we could reliably um, expect to to do something special to win a game. And we've now got three. We've got Ibrahimovic, Pogba and Mkhitaryan. And, you know, he's just brilliant. And I'd, I'd expect him to be in the starting lineup against Middlesbrough. Harriet, best goal you've seen so far this season? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's absolutely sensational, even that he managed to, you know, compute that from his brain and thinking to do it to actually pulling it off and let alone making contact and it nestling in the corner. I mean, absolutely unreal. Um, and he said that it's the best goal that he's ever scored in his life, which I'm not surprised about. Well, I think so. Yeah, exactly. What what's, what makes it a bit... Well, if he, if he hadn't have been offside, he wouldn't have been able to score that goal, would he? No. So, uh, in a way, I'm kind of glad that he did. He was offside. Mm. But, yeah, absolutely incredible goal. And I think, you know, scoring a goal like that will do absolute wonders for anyone. I think, you know, you see the look on Zlatan's face uh, and Pogba's reaction to the goal when they were celebrating. I mean, those two would have been proud of that. And, you know, given he had such a a difficult and, well, yeah, difficult start to life at United and perhaps unfairly, you know, in the media, people were writing him off before he'd even got a chance to properly show his talent. That kind of goal will do absolute wonders for him. Um, I mean, we've seen it in recent weeks. His form's been sensational, and like, like again, like Rich says, he's got that little bit of magic that can turn a game on its head. He he thinks of things so far in advance that other players just haven't got going on in their minds. He does things that they can't even compute. Yeah, we've been we've been missing that kind of player, and him 
Pogba, Slatan just added that extra bit of spark that, that we've been wanting. Hmm. The only thing I can say from that post-match interview as well, I'm sure we've all had this at some stage in our you know, football playing careers, he reminds me of the type of player that you have sometimes on 5-a-side and 11-a-side. You can just do something out of nowhere, but then they're quite modest about it, like, oh yeah, yeah, I did that. Oh, fair enough. It's not they're trying to be smarmy about it, they're just kind of oblivious to what they're doing that's so good that you just kind of just want to slap them around the head a little bit and say, you're really annoyingly good. <laughs> yeah, and it's like... It's like it comes completely naturally to him. Mm. Like he's not even, you know, necessarily trying that hard. Like yesterday, he was just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna stick my foot up around my ear hole and stick it in the back of the net." As you do, um, and you know, as you do, like everyone does, uh, obviously. But <laughs> he's the, he's the anti ibra isn't he? He's you know he's he's the opposite mm. of the of the egomaniac. You know, he's he's quiet and he's. I don't know if you saw it. There's that players. Is it players Tribune website? And he did a. He wrote that yes. he wrote a long a long piece about his history and his dad and and all sorts and he's clearly a really intelligent guy and also just a a, a really he just seems like a really nice guy very grounded and he's got his priorities straight and you know it, it's really nice to see him doing so well as well because of the start he's had at United and because of his history and stuff so and it's it's just nice to have different sorts of characters I mean egos work. For for guys like Ibrahimovic and you know Pogba's not exactly shy as well, but it's it, it's nice to see a you know a, a quiet guy who just works hard and he has brilliance, but he you know he's never he's never kind of self satisfied about it. Yeah, if, if if anyone could score that goal, it's really nice to see him score it. Yeah, so let's uh, look at the the league table now. We have now gosh, what is that? Is that four league games in a row now that we've won mm. on the trot? Yep. Good grief. Is there any frustration for you guys that we've had this very successful run but have not really made much of any ground up on the teams above us? Um, I wouldn't say it's it's frustration and not making up any ground on the teams above us. I mean, we can't we can't control what they do. We can now only move forward on on what Marino's working on. Uh, it's frustrating that we haven't we hadn't taken the points previously because as you know, as I said in his press conference last week, we'd be what second. Um, second or third but you know there was always going to be kind of that transitional period again with a new manager and there's still Van Hal isms every now and then that slip into to elements of our play um, still wake up in I a think, cold sweat every you know, now and then saying the word philosophy over yeah, yeah um, I think you know it was important for us not to lose any further ground we need to maintain this form now to make sure that when if and when those above us do slip up hoping for you know over the festive period maybe that that might start happening i mean arsenal have have dropped you know six points so we're a lot closer to them than we were before it's only a four point four point gap now i think so you know that that was 10 it's now not so yeah i wouldn't say that i'm frustrated that i'm just happy that we're still winning Rich, looking forward to... It's Liverpool City as well. That's very true. Liverpool City is uh, half five on Saturday. Yeah, so we're, da- we're guaranteed to make ground on someone should we win against Middlesbrough. Which we should. Are you thinking for pretty much as close to the same team as you could possibly get? Would you rest Ibrahimovic with uh, Monday's game against West Ham in mind? It's it's hard, isn't it? Ibrahimovic, for, I mean, he's absolutely incredible for his age. He's 35 and he's he's performing as, as, as a top player would play in their prime at the moment you know it's quite incredible he's, he's a physical you know he's a beast of a man isn't he um 
Mourinho doesn't seem to mind at the moment playing him every game. I know he said he can't play 60 games, but Ibrahimovic must be telling him that he's fit and able to play in all these games. It wouldn't remotely surprise me to see to see him play every game over Christmas. And in terms of in terms of the team, I would be tempted to go with the same team, but obviously play Mkhitaryan and Martial on on the wings. The only question is Carrick whether Carrick can can manage two quick games, the, the Middlesbrough and West Ham games. But I mean, we're selling Schneidlin, so who's who's the obvious alternative? Um, I mean, there's no obvious alternative. There are alternatives, but not necessarily ones that you'd be completely enamoured <laughs> yeah. with. Well, I, I don't particularly want to see Fellaini in the team again. I mean, the, the, the other thing is, if we're playing Middlesbrough at home, perhaps play play Matter and just have Pereira and Pogba behind him. Middlesbrough score so few goals, and they're particularly rotten away from home. So, you know, I think they'll come to defend far more than Sunderland did, really. So we could probably afford to play another attacking player and just have two in midfield. I'd be very, very disappointed if we didn't win that game. Harry, you on the same wavelength? Absolutely. Can't really add too much to that, to be honest. Middlesbrough are really struggling for goals. If we do... Like you say, want to make up ground on uh, on those ahead of us. We need to be scoring the goals and keeping confidence and at, at, at a high, uh, and making up on some goal difference because our goal difference is abysmal, absolutely. To like it's nine compared to seventeen, twenty, nineteen, twenty four, and twenty seven above us. So we need to be racking in some goals, hopefully uh, on Saturday. I think you saw with Liverpool today, and they've been like that a lot this season. Is they they've they absolutely put teams away. I mean, they've had had the slip ups, but they yeah. when they when they're on it, they absolutely obliterate teams and put them away really relatively early in games. Um, and we just need to start doing that. I mean, what West Brom was a was a move in the right direction in that we were very comfortable really from the first ten minutes of the second half. But even even in the Sunderland game, it was it was dicey until we until we got the second goal. We really need to start, particularly at home against teams like Middlesbrough. We need, we need to start walloping a few teams, which we can. We definitely can if we, you know, if we if we play as well as we have been. But we we had so many chances again. You know, we must have had, I think we had something like seventeen, seventeen or eighteen shots, a decent, you know, hard, decent shots and goal. We could have got, we could have scored five or six. And we've got a really nice run of games coming up in the league as well. I mean, we've got Middlesbrough and then obviously West Ham away. Certainly a winnable game at the moment, I thought. Then we've got we've got Liverpool at home, which you know is a great opportunity to make up some points. And then after that, we've got Stoke, Hull at home, Watford at home, Leicester away. We've got a lot of teams who are really struggling for form at the moment. So if we're going to make up ground, we we have got an opportunity to to win a few a few more games in a row. Sounds pretty good, Harry. We've now reached the the halfway point, pretty much in the season. I mean, we're eighteen games. So on a minute, just doing a quick bit of maths. Uh, technically, the match on Saturday against Middlesbrough will be the, the true halfway point, but we're not recording before then, so humour me for now. This is uh, Mourinho's uh, half-term report card. Uh, what would be on it for you? Oh, uh, what would be on it? Um... I mean, if you could put in personal comments, would you put something on the lines of must learn to control his temper better? <laughs> Gets frustrated oh, I easily. He, I think he is. Gets frustrated easily. Yeah, shaky start, but, you know, he's learning. Learning to pick his battles a little bit. Um <laughs> <laughs> since we oh, I don't even really want to mention it but since we got battered in October by Chelsea um, I think we've really kind of steadied, steadied the ship since then I mean we've only lost once since then um, in the Europa League so you know he, I think he really learnt his lesson that day or despite giving Conte a bit of an ear bashing at the end mm-hmm. 
but I think he's on he's on the right lines now. I think you know s- slow and steady progress, and if he maintains this trajectory, he's onto a winner. He's onto some A grades, I mm. think, in some of the competitions. Not necessarily Premier League, you know. He'd have to do a lot, you know, work pretty hard, and we'd have to go on a ridiculous run and beat some of the, you know, well, basically beat all of the teams above us, and hope that they all draw with each other. <laughs> yeah, I think you know, keep going as you are, uh, would be my little personal comments on Mourinho's half-term report card. Hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely control that temper. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that uh, Chelsea game as well, because I just got flashbacks to the uh, <clears throat> that fabled 5-3 against Leicester a couple of seasons ago, which was, to a certain extent, yes. the kind of one of the turning points in that first Van Gaal season, where you know, we were playing this very open, exciting football, and we ended up with a really terrible result, which kind of made... Van Hal's attacking plans really recede and considering mm. that we did play very open in that game at Stamford Bridge and got you know thoroughly tonked in the process that could you know for for a man like Mourinho he might have gone a little bit more defensive or you know also receded but he seems to have taken it upon himself to stick to his guns and still keep playing this really interesting exciting football it's not something we've seen a lot in the last three years so it's nice to see that he's had the confidence to stick to his you know to stick to his guns to continue playing really yeah. exciting football, to continue with this, you know, I, I hate to use the word philosophy, so I'm just going to, I don't know, attacking style, that seems a lot better. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that's that been really encouraging if you think about that sort of comparison. I know it's very easy to draw these sort of parallels because, you know, Van Gaal bad, Mourinho good, but still. Rich, what do you reckon? I think it's taken him a while to find out which players he can trust and which he, which he can't. And and some of that's happened by mistake. You know, he... <coughs> he was Rotho and Jones, that was a complete accident. Exactly, complete accident. But I, and I think he, he kind of lost a bit of faith in Shaw. Um, after, you know, he he cost us a couple of goals by being in poor positions. He wasn't playing very well. And I, I don't think he thinks much of Smalling, to be honest. And obviously he, has, he ended up having to bring Carrick into midfield by necessity, really, because his other um, permutations weren't working. It's taken him a while to find the right balance for that midfield and to get get the defence as he as he like it. And I think now that he knows which players he trusts and which he doesn't, we're going to be a lot stronger unit than we were. Um we've got we've got our best players playing in positions and in ways that are getting the best out of them, which we weren't necessarily at the start of the season. You know, I think it's it, it was it was harsh on Rashford but Rashford wasn't really performing on the on the left wing. And, you know, that's another lesson learned and I'm sure we'll get chances as the season goes on but Mourinho knows which players he can trust now he knows which players are winning games and and I think that's been a really important learning process for him and he's been helped a lot by Ibrahimovic starting to find out where the goal is and kicking kicking the leather thing into it not, not a brilliant start but he's a slow burner and improving fast yeah yeah I'd agree with that I think considering that again because He's been playing this attacking football and this, you know, much more exciting style. I think that's brought him a bit more time with fans, which is that's absolutely fair. You know, I wouldn't necessarily say that results have, over the course of the last four or five months, been absolutely fantastic. I don't think he's wowed us on too many occasions with some of the scores that we picked up. But at the same time, you know, United fans are, you know, they've watched enough football over the last few years and before Ferguson left to know what good football looks like. And this is this is good. This is encouraging stuff. So I think that's why he's gotten more leeway. I think that's why there haven't been 
any signs of open rebellion given the fact that we are potentially going to be out of the title race now for the fourth consecutive season you know we're not completely outside of it but the way Chelsea are going at the minute it looks very very unlikely that we're going to be in with a say of where the league title goes come May so you know there's that to consider which is not particularly positive but on the flip side of that we are much better placed to make an assault on the top four and sort ourselves up the Champions League place next season so that's great we have got a rather favourable draw for the last 33 of the Europa League. We have got a decent-sized squad that seems to be able to cope with the mass influx of games that we've got coming our way. You know, we've got a semi-final, a very, very winnable two-legged semi-final against Hull City on the horizon. Potentially a, a trip again to Wembley to face Liverpool should they get past Southampton, which you know doesn't get much more exciting than that to play a cup final against Liverpool. That would be absolutely fantastic. If we win, of course, it'd be absolutely bloody terrible if we lost. But still. But yeah, I, I think it, it is all set up for United to have a really, really positive 2017. You know, it, it's looking... The future's looking quite bright right now. And considering where we've been over the last few years, I'm going to accept that. That's pretty good for me. It looks like there's money to uh, to invest in January as well, which I think I think will be important. Um yeah, so Victor Lindelof is the, the one from Benfica muted to becoming and he can play centre-back and right-back. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very interesting because obviously we're selling, it looks like we're going to sell Schneiderlin probably to Everton um, and let Depay go either on loan, I would have thought on loan. So we're actually you know, reducing the size of the squad and that midfield's going to be a bit short. Um, and I wonder if we're having a, 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 a nose around as a, a midfielder as well. The one thing I've always said about Mourinho, and we, we've seen the value of his signings in the last few weeks, is that whether he eventually gets it right or not, I think he'll leave us with a much stronger squad than when he arrived. I don't have any concerns that he will continue to buy very high-class players and make that squad better. And better players win more games. So, you know, if we if we buy one or two high-class players in January, then, you know, we've got a very good chance of at least getting in the top four. That'd be good. Right. Guys, let's finish up with Twitter questions. Vikash Patil asks, on a scale of Moyes to Mourinho, just how bad are Brussels sprouts? I like Brussels sprouts, Mourinho. Yeah, so do I. I like No, Brussels not sprouts. a fan. Moyes it, Moyes it all the way. Not a fan. It depends how you how you do them, though, doesn't it? If if you boil them to a mush, then they're vile. But if you get them just right, and some, like my godmother, mm. puts bacon in Ooh, them, fries them up. Yeah, that sounds pretty makes good. Makes them much nicer. Just top tip there. I don't think my mum's listened to the podcast, so uh, I, you know, the the ones that I had this weekend were not optimal. Sorry, mum. Oh, well, low blow. next year, next year. She doesn't listen. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> awesome gravy. Nice bit. Nice bit of gravy on top of them makes them really nice as well. I could get down with that. Sadipta Adakari asks, should we sell or loan Memphis? I would go with a loan. I, I, I'm not convinced that he's. I don't, I, you know, he's such an enigma. He's clearly insane talent there. I mean, I was at at the um, FC Magitlan game at home, and I know he wasn't exactly playing against the greatest right back in the world, but his performance was insane that night. And there's so there's clearly so much talent there, but I'm not sure whether he's got the mentality to to do it at the top level. But I wouldn't throw it away yet. Give him a loan somewhere and see if he can regain some some form. Like I said. Yeah, agreed. Uh, loan him out, see if he can kind of... I think he he's become a bit disillusioned with just football. I mean, some of the, some players do, don't they? They fall out of love 
with the game and you can see it when they they walk on the pitch there's no confidence there there's no passion and I think just the scale of coming to, and being a Man United player and the pressures that come with that have taken taken their toll on him so I think you know let's send him out on loan give him give him a bit of chance to rediscover the form that he was you know that he had for P- PSB and then see what where that where that leads him uh, I'm not sure who would be the right kind of suitor for him um, because we've we've sent players out on loan before and they've, they've not really done too well I mean Yanazai at Sunderland I'm not sure what that's doing for him at the moment really but yeah I'd, I'd definitely send him out on loan rather than you know cut him off completely yeah I'd agree with that I, I, I haven't got a lot of faith now based on the last 18 months that he can absolutely be a success at United but I'm not necessarily sure I'm ready to just sign off on him completely and consign him to the bin as a result. You know, I think a loan move would be a wise shout. You know, there are a lot of attacking, you know, talented attacking players on the flanks at the United at the minute. So his work actually is cut out for him. But with the right attitude, he's clearly shown that he's got the talent. So maybe a loan move would be good for him. Maybe I'll help him rediscover him. You know, fair enough. We'll just have to wait and see on that one. I would say loan, personally. Uh, at Exhaled in Texas asks, anyone brave enough to tell Zlatan that Pogba's on free kicks now? <laughs> uh, you? You can do it if you want. Yeah. I'm alright. He's not been great at them, has he? Uh, no, but I think if anyone can tell Zlatan that they're going to be taking free kicks, it's going to be Pogba. That'll yeah. work out. At Dipaxiani asks, can anyone explain Moyes' comments? United have lost their tradition, says the money tried to buy Bale, Ronaldo and Cruz. No, Moyes is full of shit. Excuse my friend. I, I... Did this happen before he managed United? Because maybe I just wasn't paying attention, but I never used to have them down as this man who just seemed to shun reality in favour of his own tragic narrative. Everton used Everton fans used to get really miffed with him because they got to the point where he basically... You know how he manages expectations. So when he's at United, he was very much... If I make expectations as low as possible, then I can't... You know, then I'll look okay. And he, <laughs> he had... He it had, didn't work. He didn't work, but, but he... A lot of Everton fans were really miffed towards the end because he was basically telling them, look, I've got you to six and that's the best you can ever do. Top six is the best this club can ever do and we can't aspire to anything else because it's beyond us. I think quite a lot of Everton fans had had enough of his rhetoric and the way he the way he talked about games and the club by the end. <clears throat> so I think it was there. But when it's not, when it's not at your club, you, or you may have an experience that you don't always appreciate or, or take it in fully, do you? It's like when you buy a car and then you see lots of the same car on the road, but you don't notice them before you've got one. I think he's always been extremely annoying. I don't want a car, Rich. <laughs> oh, right, well, there you go. Just an analogy, analogy for you. <laughs> I think he always used to say those kind of things, but it never used to get picked up by the media because, you know, no offence, but, you know, Everton don't get the pages in the papers. They don't get the clicks to the websites. So when he came to Man United and still had that mentality and was saying we should aspire to be like City... <laughs> then, you know, it was going to get the pages and he was going to get both barrels for it. You know, we, we weren't going to put up with that. There was so much stuff, wasn't there? There was, you know, that say making life, life difficult for Newcastle and, and also not taking off Van Persie in that game because <laughs> he, thought the, he thought the fans would be cross with him. Yeah. Just so many things he said and did. You know, saying that about City after, after they put seven past us in two games and basically just obliterated us at home, you know, it was absolutely embarrassing. He he just from the moment he walked in the door he looked he looked like a deer in the headlights and he looked like he didn't know what the hell he'd done and why he was there and 
And you only any guy who t- who's t- who's told he's getting the United job and the blood drains from his face probably isn't the right guy to manage United. Well, at least we know that now, eh? Yeah, we we live and learn, eh? <laughs> yeah. Ender Higgins asks, can you predict Jose's 23-man squad on August 31st, 2017? Gracious. Um, Ask Duncan Castles. <laughs> Duncan, no. Um, <laughs> I would be surprised if this carries on if Slatan isn't involved, to be honest. I think... Oh, gosh. Well, let's... Let, good grief, this is actually quite tricky. Um, no, I can't. That... Should we do that for another podcast? Let's let's write write a list. And we can bring it to, to the next podcast yeah, for, tell you with what, everyone. We'll, we'll do that for next week in the new year. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. All right. Uh, J-R-R-F-F-H asks, what would you do with Marcus this season? Uh, I mean, this is just a, this is a bit of an out there thought, but play him up front? Yeah. I mean, I think he will get some games up front as the season goes on. And I think, you know, he, he had such an impact last season, but we can see the difference that a really top class striker on form mates and we're in a position at the moment where we need to be winning games all the time so it is just difficult we, we, you know we mustn't forget he's still only a teenager you know he's still he's less you know he's less than a year into his senior career so you know a period on the bench and and learning from the players around him and making some sub appearances or perhaps the odd start in in cups and things is is okay for him at the moment and you know, Ibrahim, Ibrahimovic will be a year older next year, and I think as he develops, he'll, you know, he'll get a lot more games. I think he just needs to be patient at the moment. I mean, the thing you can say for Rashford is that he, we have got what from Saturday three games in the space of a week. So it's Middlesbrough on Saturday, mm. West Ham on Monday, and then Reading come to Old Trafford in the third round of the FA Cup. Slatan cannot start all three of those, surely. So he should get a start in, in one of those games at the very, very least. It wouldn't surprise if he started. Yeah, I mean that that would be yeah. good. No, right. Um, it was just that last season, obviously, it was exceptional circumstances. The reason that you know surrounding why he was you know fast tracked into the team. That expectation of him being the main man up front when he is still a boy. It was never going to be able to carry on for too long. And I think he will learn a lot, obviously, from from Zlatan. He said it himself in in the interviews that he's done. Um, and I don't think he's the kind of character who's going to be sulking, who's going to be, you know, expecting to be playing every week. And I think he he's still kind of in a bit of a bubble where, you know, he's living the dream and playing alongside Zlatan. Probably he's. I think he said that he quite enjoys playing alongside Rooney. But you know, can't well, everyone's contractually um, obliged to say they like yeah, exactly. Alongside. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think you know. It, He'll he'll be learning just as much from sitting on the bench as he has been with the experiences that he's had playing uh, so far. I mean, every player has to go through a period of sitting on the bench. It will do him no harm. No, I agree with that. At Windsor Arnold, with it, he's playing a long game here. He's very thinking ahead. Wonderful organisation. He wants to know what our starting lineups would be for the Liverpool game. Oh, gravy. Um, I mean, let's just have a look. We're on Tuesday 27th. That game is not for another two and a half weeks or so blimey i think that's yeah 19 days away fair enough that that's a very interesting one you're going for though windsor um if everyone is fit and available i mean if we're going to look at it logically you would say that we would ideally have to start with a bit more of an attacking formation than the one we offered when we went to anfield surely harriet indeed absolutely and i think you know nailed on starters other than de gea mkhitaryan's got to play because if you look at their lineup and the players that they've got uh, who can add a bit of magic to any given game. 
you know, Firmino, Firmino uh, Lalana, Coutinho. Um, Lalana, I think, you know, the, his footwork is probably closest. I'd, I'd say Lalana and Mkhitaryan's footwork and the way that they can navigate out of ridiculous spaces when they're surrounded by three players. Um, I think us having that up our up our sleeve for a game against Liverpool would 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 be brilliant. Um, again, like we said before, we've not had that that bit of magic that that we've needed to unlock um, teams like Liverpool before. Although their their defence is is still leaking goals, so if we play the way that we've been playing in recent weeks, I think we can we can make a real game of it. I mean, we played pretty well against City at home, and I think I thought we were quite unlucky not to not to get anything from that game. I think if we play like we did that day in the second half, I think the half, we can yeah. win it. Yeah, second half, second. That's half, an yeah. important distinction. <laughs> yeah, that first half is dangerous yeah. because because Liverpool can play the type of football that City did. Well, you mentioned the Stoke game earlier on today, Rich. You know, the, the while Stoke certainly posed them some problems in that first half, and you know, uh, Mignolet didn't keep out Walters' header. You know, and Joe Allen came close to making it two 0 The way that they press especially in the lead-up to the end of that first half. You know, two relatively quick goals, I think. Yeah. They mm. can really, really hammer teams when they're on it. And I think Mourinho will be very, very keenly aware. So whilst I would think that we'll play with a bit more attacking intent, well, we'll have to when we when, than we played in, when we were at Anfield, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a different formation to the one we normally see, a slightly different setup in order to combat that. The importance is tempo, isn't it? You know, they, they play at a very, very yeah. high tempo from... from usually from the start of games and we, if we can break that tempo up and st- as as we did at Anfield really we didn't let them get get their passing going get that that speed of thought and speed of passing going their back four isn't is nothing special at all they've got a ropey keeper whichever keeper they play they can be got at if if we can just just stop them stop the fluidity and their tempo and we have to play at high tempo ourselves we can we can score goals against them we can win that game. I, I think, as, as Harriet said, I think Mkhitaryan's got to play. Wouldn't surprise me if Martial played as well. But apart from that, it wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me to see pretty much the same team that started um, against Sunderland. I don't know when does Bay, when does uh, Bayi go to the uh, the Afcon. He'll have gone by that point. I think it's the first week of January. He's off. Right. So I, I'd, I'd I'd probably say the same team as, as Sunderland with uh, Mkhitaryan and uh, Martial in for Mata and Lingard. It's definitely going to be an exciting game, but that's one we will leave for the future. Guys, thanks very much for joining me. Don't forget, you can get us all on Twitter. You can get me at Ewan Lennox. You can get Harry at HM Drudge. You can get Rich at RichardCan76 and the podcast at Red Voices MUFC. We'll be back after the West Ham game next week. You make sure you have a wonderful New Year's celebration, and we will catch you in 2017. Lots of love and cheerio. Cheerio.